All right, we are back. This is episode number three. Um, getting into this episode here, this will be a little bit more of an educational type podcast. Um, and I think this will be helpful for people who have been, you know, doing fitness for a while or been into fitness for a while and also really, really valuable for people who are maybe a little bit newer to fitness, um, don't really know where to start and uh, just need a little bit of guidance as far as things they should be looking out for and uh, using. So um, I had an idea. Well, actually, it was a buddy of mine who gave me the idea. He was like maybe doing a podcast with, you know, explaining some of the basics around fitness and nutrition um, just to give people kind of a background of things they should know and that sort of thing. And I thought that was a good idea. So I thought about it for a little bit and I just sat and I thought and I was like, okay, if I was starting this whole journey over um, and knowing everything that I know now what advice would I give to myself as someone who was getting ready to start in on this? And so I came up with three different principles um, of things that are super important. And if you understand these three principles, then you can basically get any type of goal that you're willing to work for. Um, and those three principles that I'm going to discuss and go over and give you some tips and little tricks on how you can put these things into practice are uh, energy balance, progressive overload, and then the power of consistency. And I know, you know, that doesn't sound super exciting, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Um, once you understand these things, again, you'll be able to accomplish pretty much any goal that you are, you know, after as long as you're willing to put in the work for it. But again, I wish I had kind of understood these things a little bit more um, before I got into, you know, my own personal journey. And so I know that if you understand these three, three things that uh, it'll help you as well. So one thing I want to, uh, you know, discuss just a little bit before I get into this is just the difference between methods and principles. So there's this quote that I heard that's always kind of stuck with me. And that is methods are many principles are few methods often change, but principles never do. So especially when it comes to like health and fitness, um, there's like thousands of different methods that you can use as far as like dieting, um, or fitness stuff. There's just I mean, there's literally thousands, maybe millions of different methods that you can use. And there's always new ones coming in and out. Um, but the principles around these certain things should pretty much be the same. Um, and as long as they are, you know, sound in principle, then you can pretty much use whatever method that you want. But if you don't understand the principles, um, you might be choosing a method that maybe isn't, you know, factual or a good method for you. Um, but once you do know these principles, then you have a little bit more flexibility in the method in the methods that you use. And it gives you just a little bit more freedom to figure out, you know, what works for you. Um, so, for example, kind of thinking about these things in terms of like fitness and goals, um, let's say you have the goal of building muscle. You know, there's different methods, again, that you can take to do this. So you need to figure out things like how often you want to work out, what type of program, you know, do you want to do high reps, low reps? Do you want to do kettlebell training? Do you want to do CrossFit? Do you want to do traditional strength training? Like there's so many different methods that you can use. But when you understand, you know, the principle behind it of, okay, I need to make sure that this principle is rooted in progressive overload. And as long as it's, you know, doing that, then I know that I'm going to be moving in the right direction. But if you don't understand that principle, what that actually means, then, you know, you may be picking a program that's not actually suited for you and it's not going to get you to your goals. And essentially, you could just be wasting your time, which nobody likes to waste time. Um, so, again, we're going to talk about these 
uh, different principles. And then hopefully by the end of this, you have a good idea of, you know, why they're useful and how you can put these things into place. And again, just a quick little analogy that I like to think about too, when it comes to principles, I like to think in things in terms of sports, just because sports comes easy to me. And that's kind of how I use my brain and, you know, think about sports in terms of like, you know, life or business or other things like that. That's the way that I kind of relate to everything. Um, so when you think about sports, like I would say you think about the kind of the basics of football would be like your principles. So like you have your rules, you know, how many people are on a football field, um, you know, those sorts of things like penalties and all that kind of stuff. And once you know the basics or, you know, the principles around football, then you can focus on things like, you know, plays and what type of offense you want to run, what type of defense, um, you know, trick plays and like strategy and all that kind of stuff. But if you try to do that before you actually know the basics or the rules and how the game actually works, well, you're probably not going to be a very effective football player. Once you know the principles, then you can kind of expand on things and you can branch out a little bit, use different types of plays and all that kind of stuff. So that's how I think about principles again. And it's no different when it comes to health and fitness. Once you understand these three basic things, then you can choose whatever method um, is going to work best for you. So getting into this very first one, let's talk about energy balance. And um, the definition of energy balance is basically the state in which the number of calories you've consumed equals the number of calories that your body uses. So um, little quick, easy example, let's say your body needs 3000 calories, you know, just to do the things that it does on a daily basis to, you know, exercise and move around and digest food and circulate blood and all that kind of stuff. It needs 3000 calories per day to do this. And if you are eating on average, 3000 calories per day, well, then you are technically in an energy balance, right? Pretty simple. You're taking in 3000 calories, you know, through food and drink and that sort of thing. And you're also burning 3000 calories throughout your day. So you're in an energy balance. Now, when you are in that energy balance, that means that you are going to be maintaining your weight. Now, the scale might, you know, fluctuate a little bit like it does for different reasons, whether that's, you know, water weight. For the most part, on like a daily or weekly average, your weight should maintain, you know, pretty steadily. Now, let's say in that same example, you're a person who needs 3000 calories, but you are on average eating about 2500 calories. So you're 500 calories below that 3000 that your body typically needs. This is where you are going to end up losing weight. So you're eating below that 3000 calories. Um, you're not getting that that energy that your body needs. So if it's not getting it through food and drink, it's going to find it elsewhere in the body, which is where you burn off calories that are already stored in your body, usually in body fat and then sometimes muscle as well. So that is losing weight. And then you also have the other end of the spectrum. So let's say, again, same example, 3000 calories, but now you're eating on a regular basis, 3500 calories a day. So you're over by 500. You do that on a consistent basis. You are going to end up gaining weight over time again because you're taking in more energy than your body actually needs so it's going to store that energy typically in the form of body fat um, sometimes in the form of muscle or a combination of the two but just to give you a little background that is kind of how that works and that is what that energy balance means now why is this important well you probably figured it out by now but if you have any sort of goals around how you want to look which a majority of people who do a lot of people that come to me um, I would say, you know, well over 50% of 
have some sort of goal about how they want to look, whether it's losing weight, losing fat, uh, building muscle, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's important to understand this concept because if you don't understand this concept, then you don't really have anything to go off of, right? So things that will affect your energy balance that you should take note of a little bit is genetics, obviously, is going to play a factor, which you can't really, you know, you don't have a huge say in your genetics. You were dealt the genetics that you have, you know, based on your parents and things that were passed down to you. So I wouldn't focus on that one too much, but understand that does affect, you know, your energy balance per se. Um, your size will have a big effect on this. So simply put, bigger people can eat more calories because their body needs more calories to do just the everyday normal things. So if you look at, you know, a pro football, you know, lineman versus uh, a small, you know, average person who weighs 150 pounds, well, that professional football lineman is going to need a ton more calories than that smaller person just based on their size, right? And that's pretty easy to understand. You know, a lot of us know this already. That's just basic, basic logic. Another thing that is affected is muscle mass. So the people that have more muscle mass will typically burn more calories than somebody who has less muscle mass. And again, why is this important? So you often will hear people in fitness talk about the importance of building muscle um, and not just besides the fact of, you know, being strong and being able to do all the activities that you want to do all that sort of thing. But just from a general standpoint of eating food, you have more muscle mass, you can eat more food without the worry of, you know, gaining weight. So you have a higher caloric need. So you can take in more food, body needs more food because you have more muscle mass. And the reason behind that is just because muscle mass is a more um, expensive tissue, which all that means is that, you know, it takes a little bit more to maintain and build up and that sort of thing. So it takes more calories than say, you know, fat or something of that sort. So again, the importance of building muscle, when you hear about people talking about building muscle, that is another reason that people will encourage you to do that is because again, you get to eat more food, which is nice. So again, just a quick little example. So if you take two people who weigh the exact same, let's say they both weigh 175 pounds, one of those people has a lot more muscle than the other one. That person is typically going to burn more calories if they did the exact same thing all day um, than the person who has less muscle mass. So again, building muscle is a good thing. And then the last one that I'll talk about just real quick is physical activity, which again, you probably already know that, of course, uh, but the more you move and exercise, the more calories you're going to burn, um, which also allows you to eat a little bit more. Now, the thing that you have to mention when you talk about this is that a lot of people will often overestimate how many calories they're actually burning within exercise for average people like, you know, you and me are just maybe working out you know four or five times a week nothing crazy um it's not going to be a huge difference it does make a difference for sure but it's not going to be some massive difference um so and the reason i say that is because a lot of times people will you know look at things like fitness trackers or um that sort of thing and it'll give them calorie burn on their watch or on their fitness tracker and i love fitness trackers by the way i wear one every day but those things as far as like your calorie burn is not all that accurate and they can be off quite a bit. So someone might look at their, their watch and it says they burned 800 calories from doing this certain activity and think that, okay, I burned 800 calories. So tonight I'm going to have, you know, a huge dessert and they end up eating way more than, you know, their body needed and way more than they actually thought they burned. And that can lead to, you know, weight gain and things like that. 
which, you know, again, just trying to bring a little bit of light to that so that you understand just because your your watch or your fitness tracker says, you know, you burn 800 calories or whatever, that's not necessarily the case. So it's not that those things are bad. You know, the fitness trackers and things like that aren't bad. Again, I like them. I use them. But I wouldn't use the, the calorie burn on there as a way to gauge how much you're eating. And another thing, you know, right along with that, that I'll point out just real quick, when it comes to just the overall calorie burn and how many calories that you're actually using for exercise out of that, you know, total calorie intake per day is very, very small. So again, let's take that same example, a person who needs 3000 calories, they're only going to be using on average, like 15 to like 30 ish percent on like physical activity, which would include you know, exercise or training or working out that you're intentionally doing, as well as exercise that, you know, you just go along with in your normal day. So things like fidgeting and walking and that sort of thing would equal 15 to 30% of the calories used on actual exercise. And the rest of those calories that you're taking in are used on just your, you know, from your basal met metabolic rate, which are things just like breathing, circulating blood, you know, the body repairing itself and then digesting food as well as a part of that. So a good majority of that is not used for physical activity, which I think throws a lot of people off. Again, that's why it's important to not use exercise as a way to, you know, eat and burn calories to eat a certain amount of calories just because it's really not that effective and it's not that efficient. Again, because you're burning a lot less calories than you think you are. Yes, the more active you are, the more food and stuff that you're going to be able to eat. But again, oftentimes it's a lot less than what you would actually think. So just something to look out for and uh, something to be aware of. And uh, kind of finishing this point off and understanding, you know, okay, why should you care about this? Touched on it a little bit. But again, if you have goals around looking a certain way, which whether it's fat loss, weight loss, building muscle, or even just maintaining where you're at right now. Maybe you're at a point right now where you really like where you are and you just want to maintain that for the foreseeable future. It's important to still understand this, this whole energy balance thing. So understanding again, it like if you have your fat loss goals, then you know, okay, I need to eat a little bit under my, you know, my calorie goal. Or if I have goals of building muscle or um, maybe gaining some weight, then I need to be eating above my calorie goal. Or again, if you just want to maintain, then you need to be eating at what your, you know, your maintenance calories in, which I'll give you a quick little equation that you can use to figure out how many calories you actually need. And that way you can kind of play around with that and then use that to uh, kind of set your goals. Um, and then the other thing that, that I really like to point out with this fact or with this, uh, with this point as well is that understanding that this energy balance is a thing is that it actually allows you to be a little bit more flexible in the foods that you eat and also still understand that you can make really good progress. So a lot of times people really struggle with being fit or healthy and eating in a way that they think is healthy because they feel like they can't eat, you know, the sweets or the desserts or have pizza or go out to eat or that sort of thing. But when you like truly understand how this energy balance thing works, you understand that you can include those things in your diet and still reach your goals. And this was a big, big thing for me, like something that I didn't really understand until I started dieting and realized that I could include, you know, pizza or desserts and things like that. And as long as I was factoring in this whole energy balance thing, I could lose weight while still eating ice cream and things like that, which was like mind blowing to me. So again, it allows you to incorporate some of those foods that you might not think are the healthiest thing, or, you know, they might be things that like, 
people have told you will make you fat or maybe you thought they'd make you fat or whatever. Like you can include those things in moderation as long as you're in thinking about this whole energy balance thing and still lose weight if you want to, still maintain your weight, um, all that stuff. Now, this isn't to say that you should go off and eat purely junk food as long as you're eating under your you know, your maintenance calories or however many, however many calories your body needs um, for your goals. That's not to say that you should just eat ice cream all day or whatever, even though you technically could, if you did that, lose weight. And there's actually been studies of different people who have tried diets like that. I think there there was like a, it was like a health professor and he wanted to see if he ate strictly like, I think it was Doritos and Twinkies. And I'm pretty sure you can look this up. I remember hearing about it a while back, but he wanted to see if he strictly ate just like Twinkies and Doritos. And he ate under his, you know, his calorie need that his body needed. If he ate that amount of calories and as long as it was under his maintenance calories, could he lose weight? And he found that he could. And there's been a lot of people who have done diets like this that are not necessarily the best thing for you. But if you're eating under that, you know, that maintenance calories that I've talked about, then you could technically lose weight on eating that stuff. Now, obviously, we all know that that would be a terrible idea. Uh, Nobody should be surviving and living on Twinkies and Doritos. But again, it just shows you that you can add in some of those foods if you want to in moderation and still lose weight or still reach your goals, whatever those might be. Again, losing weight, um, gaining muscle, you can incorporate those things and still, you know, get those goals and uh, not have to feel bad about it, which is really, really nice. And this is again, where that that 80-20 rule that I've talked about comes into play. Most of the time you should be focusing on incorporating those, you know, healthy and whole foods, those proteins, those fruits, those veggies, you know, 80% of the time, but 20% of the time, if you want to add in some chips or some desserts or other things like that, that you like in you want to include, then by all means, go ahead and include them and you can still, you know, reach those goals, which is really nice. Um, and then lastly, just understanding that when you do incorporate those type of foods that you enjoy, the sustainability of it increases a ton. Like, because as I've talked about, if you're going to be super strict and, you know, try not to eat any of that, you know, junk food or whatever, or things that you actually enjoy, but you think, are super unhealthy, so you don't want to include them, well, that's probably not going to be all that sustainable. And it's not going to be very enjoyable. But if you can get to a point where you include those things, you know, in moderation, now you can, again, continue to work towards whatever goal you might have. And it's going to be more enjoyable and more sustainable when you actually reach that goal. So that's why you should understand, you know, about energy balance and understand the importance of it. Because once you do, it allows a lot more flexibility can enjoy the process more and it's going to be more sustainable which is what we're all about here and then just real quick if you want to figure out how how you can learn how many calories you actually need and there's tons of calculators that you can find online precision nutrition has a really good one that you can use but i mean you can literally google calorie calculator and find them another thing you could do is you could actually physically track the food that you're eating for like a week and just see on average how much you're taking in Um, or if you just want to figure it out right now to give you like a super rough estimate. If you take your body weight, multiply that by about 14, that'll give you a super rough estimate, you know, give or take. Again, that gives you a rough estimate and you have at least a number to start with. If you have goals around losing or gaining weight, um, one thing that you do once you do find your maintenance calories, which again, maintenance calories just means the amount of calories that you would eat if you were not gaining weight or losing weight. So that's the just the normal amount of calories that your body needs just on a regular basis, just based on you know your size, your activity level, um, genetics, all that stuff. 
If you wanted to lose weight, you would subtract from that maintenance calories somewhere between like 300 to 500 calories. And then if you wanted to gain weight, you would add, you know, 300 to 500 calories. And obviously you would want to track this and adjust accordingly. But that just gives you a super rough place to start um, based on, you know, your goals and what you're looking to do. All right, getting into the second one. So that was energy balance. Um, that's kind of the nutrition side of things. This one is about progressive overload, which is more so the fitness side of things. Um, and basically all progressive overload means is gradually increasing intensity or difficulty over time. Now, before we get into this, I'll explain why this is important because progressive overload is what you're going to need if you want to build muscle, build strength, improve performance or endurance, or you know get better strength numbers. All that stuff is going to be based around progressive overload. And again, that all that means is that you're gradually increasing the intensity or the difficulty over time, which in turn makes your body adapt and then you continually get just a little bit better over time. So quick little example so you can understand this. Let's say we're talking about bench press um, in the gym. So let's say you can bench press 100 pounds for five repetitions on week one. Uh, you come back in on week two, you hit the bench press. Let's say you hit 100 pounds for six reps. Uh, you come back in on week three, let's say you hit the bench press again, uh, 100 pounds, you do it for six reps again, and then you come in on week four and you hit, let's say, eight reps this time. So you went from week one where you hit five repetitions, and then on week four, you were hitting eight for your maximum amount of reps that you could get. That means that you progressively overloaded from week one to week four because you got stronger. You were able to do more reps over that certain time period. And that's just a super basic example. And I'll talk about a couple other examples and how that can work in other, other ways that you can progressive overload. Uh, but you can use this principle for, you know, weights. You could use it for endurance. You know, maybe it's like running. So let's say, for example, you're running. Let's say you can run a mile uh, in 10 minutes, right? That's, so that's your starting point. And then let's say you come back, you know, you continue to run. You continue to practice. Week two, you come back. Now you can run 1.2 miles in 10 minutes. And then let's say, you know, you continue to run, you come back week three, you test it again. Now you can run 1.25 miles in 10 minutes. So you can see you're gradually increasing and getting better over time. And that's all that progressive overload means. Now, why is this important? Again, because I mentioned this is how you build strength. This is how you build muscle. This is how you improve on goals. This is how you get more fit. Um, without a stimulus, a challenging stimulus to your body, your body's just going to continue to stay the same. So a big thing I hear when people come to me is they're like, okay, I work out, you know, quite a bit. I'm hitting the gym like three, four, five times a week, but I'm not really seeing that much progress. Like I don't feel like I'm getting stronger. I don't feel like I'm really making improvements. And the reason is because you're not challenging your body enough. You're not working in that progressive overload. So you have to understand that when it comes to reaching your goals, building strength, building muscle, all that kind of stuff, you have to make sure that you're giving your body a stimulus, a reason to change. So you got to make sure that you're you know, working out at a decent intensity, you're pushing yourself, and you're continuing to improve throughout your time at the gym. One thing I thought about when I was thinking about this is um, I was a personal trainer inside a gym for a while, and you would have your people who would come in there, you know, your regulars, typically they were older people in their middle age, and they would come in there, and they would have their same routine that they would do like every single day. It was like clockwork. You know, they go over, they get on the treadmill for like 15 minutes, they would get off, they would hit the same like three or four machines, you know, a couple sets, same weight every single day, 
Um, and then they'd like finish off like some abs or something like that, which is great. Like, I love that you're getting in there, you're getting some exercise, you're getting some movement in there. But like, if that person is looking to, you know, build muscle or build strength or improve, they're not going to see that because they're not challenging themselves. They're not increasing weight or increasing reps or changing the exercise a little bit or anything like that. Like if you're doing the same routine over and over and over and you never feel like you're challenging yourself, well, then you're not going to make those gains in those certain departments, whether muscle or strength or whatever your your goal might be based around. Um, so real quick, uh, some different ways that you can use progressive overload. I talked about, you know, increasing repetitions. So that is one. So if you can do the same amount of weight for more reps from week one to week two, or, you know, even week one to week four, that means that you are working in that progressive overload. If you can lift more weight over time. So let's say that I can lift, you know, 200 pounds, I can squat 200 pounds for three reps. And then let's say I come in on week four after I've worked on it, I've trained, you know, every week I'm hitting my squats and now I can do 225 pounds for three reps on week four. Well, that means that I can use more weight for the same amount of reps. That means I'm also working in that progressive overload. You could also increase things like volume. So super basic example, I don't want to get like too confusing or anything like that. But let's say that you're doing two sets of squats and you're using the same weight, same reps. Let's say you come back in the next week and you do three sets with the same weight and same amount of reps. You're increasing the volume here because you're doing more amount of work. So that would technically be progressive overload as well. And then some other ways, some more like indirect ways that aren't necessarily, you know, thought of as being progressive overload, but are still really good things to focus on is things like improving, you know, your technique over time is a really big thing, especially when we're thinking about like injury prevention and, you know, being able to do this for a long amount of time, better technique is always going to be a good thing. So I consider that progressive overload. Um, you could use shorter rest times with between your sets. Um, as a way to progressively overload. And you see this in things like CrossFit or higher intensity type workouts quite a bit. You can increase your training frequency, which all that means is let's say you're averaging, you know, two workouts per week, you just bump that up to three or maybe four. So you're increasing your training frequency, um, the amount of times that you're working out, or you could just overall up your training intensity. So let's say, for example, you are doing a running workout and you're working at a heart rate that's, you know, somewhere in the moderate range, but then on week, you know, the next week you come in and you're working at a, a slightly higher level where it's more intense, you're working a little bit harder, um, you're putting in more effort. That could also be another way to progressive overload. So again, the basic concept is this, that you're continuing to challenge your body so that you can make gains in whatever your goal is. Pretty simple concept, but it's one that a lot of people need to be reminded of and a lot of people don't do a great job of, and that's why they don't necessarily see the results that they want to see because they're not working hard enough to produce this progressive overload. So just some quick tips before we move on to the third and final one. So understanding that, you know, progressive overload is the goal, but it's not always going to be a linear process. So when you first get started in fitness training, if you're somebody who's brand new, you will see gains like really, really fast. And we call these newbie gains. Um, so you might come in on day one and hit a certain exercise and you could come back in on, you know, day, a couple days later, and you could hit that same exercise and you'd probably be able to do more weight, maybe do more reps or maybe even both. And this would happen for, you know, several weeks and a lot of times, several months where you'll make these gains really, really quickly, just as far as weights and things like that. But eventually that will kind of level off and the gains will start to come a lot slower, which is 
absolutely natural. And if you think about it, let's say you were somebody who came in and every single week you were putting on five pounds onto your, you know, let's say just your bench press or your squat or whatever. Well, if you were able to do that for an entire year, you would gain over 250 pounds on your bench or your squats. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously not going to happen. Let's say you were somebody who started and you could bench 100 pounds. Well, at the end of the year, you're not going to be able to bench 350 pounds, right? That's not really logical. That's not really how it works. So understand that the process is not linear. Um, the gains will slow down. The progress will slow down a little bit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not working. Just continue to challenge yourself, um, work in that progressive overload, and you will continue to build muscle, build strength, all that good stuff. It's also super important to note that recovery is a really important part of this process. So um, obviously, again, I've mentioned that you want to be working hard and you know hitting the gym hard or hitting your workout super hard. But if you're not recovering, you're never going to allow yourself to actually make the progress that you want, which is typically the end goal of all this stuff. You do this for a reason because you want to, you know, improve your strength, build muscle, you know, maybe hit a certain goal, whatever. But if you're not allow, if you're not allowing your body to recover by, you know, getting the proper sleep, fueling correctly by eating the right things, you know, staying hydrated, managing stress, all that kind of stuff. Well, then, you know, you might be putting in all this work, but you're not necessarily going to see the progress that you want. And Make sure that, you know, if you are really trying to hit it hard and see improvements, that recovery has to be an essential part of that process. And you have to make sure that it's something that you are prioritizing. And again, this was something that I mentioned before, but just understanding that if you aren't, you know, striving for this progressive overload, you probably aren't going to be making, you know, a ton of progress or a ton of gains, which is fine if that's not your goal right now. Some people just go, you know, into the gym with the idea of they just want to exercise because, you know, it's better for their mental health. Maybe they're just trying to improve their confidence. For example, myself with marathon training right now, you know, I'm training for a marathon. I'm not trying to break any records in the gym. Um, I'm going in there, get my body moving. It's more so just to, you know, keep things moving smoothly and some injury prevention stuff. But I'm not really doing a ton of progressive overload within my strength training right now. And so I'm not expecting to make, you know, a ton of gains within that. My priority right now is in my running. And that's where I'm more so focused on my progressive overload and, you know, being able to run longer distances and run faster and all that stuff. So just understand that, you know, if you aren't, you know, focused on progressive overload, you're probably not going to make tons of gains. But if you do want to make, you know, progress in whatever goal you might have, then understand that that needs to be at the forefront of it. And you have to make sure that you are challenging yourself in a proper manner. And then lastly, I just like this, this principle just as a, you know, an overall idea, because it's something that you can apply to a lot of things in life as well. Pretty much everything in life is progressive overload if it's something that you want to improve on, right? You have to challenge yourself a little bit. Sometimes you got to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. You got to put in work sometimes when you don't want to, but all those things are necessary if you want to get better, right? Whether it's, you know, getting better at your work or your job or a certain skill or in a relationship. Um, it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy, but you got to challenge yourself and be willing to do some of those things, even when you don't want to, if you want to make progress. So that is a progressive overload. And then lastly, I will get into the principle of consistency, which without consistency, these first two principles really don't even matter all that much. So I would say that this is a really important one. And it's one that I see holds a lot of people back, especially in the fitness space. So a lot of times people will come to me, you know, and they'll have this, like I said earlier, with that example of people will come to me and they'll be like, well, 
you know, I'm really struggling to see progress. I feel like I'm working out a lot and I'm still not really seeing the, you know, the progress that I want to see, or I feel like I'm eating, you know, pretty well, but I'm not really seeing the progress that I want to see. Well, oftentimes people aren't typically as consistent as they think they are. And that is the main issue here. So one thing that you have to think about with consistency is that, you know, you have to be shooting for these higher ends of consistency if you want to make, you know, gradual progress on a consistent basis, which, yeah, okay, duh, that makes sense. But so the thing that I think about a lot is like, okay, somebody will come to me and they'll be like, okay, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I've been doing this. And then when you actually track their consistency for like a period of 30 days, it's like, okay, well, you've been, you know, you were good for a solid week and then you fell off for a half a week. And then, you know, you got back on track for two days, but then the weekend came up and then you had, you know, this birthday and then you had this other thing and that turned into two weeks. So then you look at it in the grand scheme of things and it's like, okay, their diet was on point for like maybe a week and a half out of the entire month. Or, you know, another example with like, you know, training or getting in the gym, like someone misses a workout and then that turns into missing a whole week, but then they get back on track towards the end of the month. And, but then when you look back on it, it's like, okay, you were, you know, 50% consistent throughout the month which again is better than nothing but if you want to make good progress you should be shooting for those higher ends of consistency one number that i always try to shoot for again is that 80 percent number if you're being 80 percent consistent you know within a month you can see pretty solid progress so when you take the you know a month and you take 80 percent, that's about 24 days so let's say you're somebody who's got goals around maybe losing fat and you're you know dieting a little bit if you're on point for those 24 days and those other days you know you're not completely off the hinges and you know doing all this crazy stuff or eating like eating like crazy then you can still see pretty solid results even with you know hitting those 24 days out of the 30 days out of the month same thing with training like if you miss a workout here or there it's not the end of the world but if you're hitting that 80% number and getting your workouts in and doing the things you need to do, you're still going to see really good progress, which I think is encouraging to people. And something that I wish people understood more is that you do not have to be perfect when it comes to consistency. But you should, you know, you need to be on those higher ends if you want to see progress. Because the thing about progress and consistency and all that stuff is like you're motivated, you know, you put in the work, you're consistent. And then you see a little bit of progress and then that motivates you even more. But what happens when people fall off or when they get inconsistent is because, you know, they put in a little bit of work then they fall off and then they don't see progress. Now they're unmotivated and now that loop just kind of continues. So like they're not motivated. So then they continue to fall off track and it just rotates in that cycle. And it's just not a very good place to be. Um, so if you can be consistent and you know be on top of things and be on point you're going to make faster progress and also you know it's going to be more enjoyable because again you're seeing that progress you're excited about it you're making good gains one quick little example kind of to illustrate the point too of uh consistency and just understand how important it is i think this was from the book atomic habits by james clear that i got this one but he talked about you know being one percent better each day and if you guys follow me on social media you know i tag that a lot it's something that I try to live by and something that um, I think is super powerful. So if you think of the concept of being 1% better each day, by the end of the year, you have improved over 300%. You know, if you're 1% better every single day, you've just gotten 365% better, which, you know, is awesome. Now, if you look at it on the other end of the spectrum, you get 1% worse each day. It doesn't seem like a lot, you know, on that day or all that much right now. But when you think about it in the course of a year, now you're 365% worse than where you started at, which is obviously not a good thing. So the cool thing about that is that 
you know, 1% isn't a whole lot, right? And, you know, on a day-to-day basis, 1%, like you can get 1% better in a lot of different areas in your life if you put just, you know, in solid effort and you show up and, you know, that you do those things that you should be doing every single day. But again, it's easy to do, it's easy not to do. So you have to make sure that you're being conscious about it and being intentional about it and making sure that you're improving just a little bit. It's nice because it's something that you can do even on, you know, a hard day or on a difficult day, you know, maybe you're stressed out or maybe you got a lot going on. You can still manage to get in, you know, get 1% better. And that doesn't always mean, you know, hitting a super hard workout or, you know, being super strict with your diet or something like that. Sometimes 1% better could be, you know, you're super stressed out, your body's really sore, you know, you should take a day off from the gym, even though you have a scheduled workout and you take that day off from the gym, that's going to help you more than getting in the gym and pushing through when you probably shouldn't. So again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're just gritting through every single thing. 1% better could be taking a day off or, you know, going and hanging out with a friend to, you know, relieve some stress or maybe watching a comedy show to, you know, help you after a hard day. It doesn't mean, you know, just being this super tough, badass dude or badass woman or whatever. And I think that's something that kind of gets misconstrued with that, um, you know, just being 1% better. So understanding that, that, you know, you can be 1% better and it doesn't necessarily mean that you are just beating yourself down all the time. And then again, just to kind of reiterate this point and give you a real world example with, you know, my own personal journey of losing weight, you know, it took me 15 months to lose that first 75 pounds, which, you know, is a long time. That's over a year. But I know that if I wasn't as consistent, it would have taken me way longer to do that. Plus, The thing about consistency is, again, when you start falling off track and you aren't as consistent, that's just another opportunity for you to quit. So when you think about people who chase these goals, sometimes they'll come up on challenges or they'll fall off a little bit. The reality is, is that a lot of people, they, when they fall off track, they just don't get back on. You know, there's thousands and thousands of people who, you know, millions even who try to lose weight every single year. They start, they fall off and they never get back on. They just say, screw it. And they just, they're done with it. So again, if you can be more consistent and focus on just doing those things and being just a little bit better each day and focusing on those little progress, then you are less likely to quit and more likely to, you know, stay on track, work towards your goals and uh, see that, that progress and get to that end result that you're after. Um, So just a couple quick tips with this one. Uh, I talked about it already, but aiming for at least 80% consistency. Obviously, this will change at different times in your life, you know, different seasons. Sometimes you can be a little bit more consistent than that. Maybe you don't have as much going on in your life. You can really focus in on certain things with, you know, maybe workouts or diet or, you know, other health things. Um, And then other times you may be super stressed, super busy at work, and that consistency may go down just a little bit. But still kind of focusing somewhere in that 80% is the general rule that I try to focus on throughout most of the year. Starting small and building up, especially if you're somebody who really struggles, don't take on too much too soon because, again, that often leads people to a, you know, not a very good result because they get too strict, gets too hard, they fall off. And, again, every time you fall off is one step closer to, you know, people never getting back on. Find some form of accountability, whether that's a friend could be, you know, a partner or, you know, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, finding a training buddy, a coach, or even a group of people uh, to help keep you accountable and help keep you consistent is huge. Finding some form of accountability, whatever it is, is a huge factor in staying consistent, whether it's fitness goals, um, nutrition goals, uh, certain health goals, maybe getting better sleep, anything like that. Just having somebody who actually knows that you are chasing this goal and who can hold you accountable is 
extremely helpful. Another simple one, write things down. So if you have certain goals, you want to be consistent, write those actions down that you plan to do, and you are more likely to do them. And then lastly, just make sure that your goals and your actions are actually worthwhile. If they aren't, then you're always going to struggle with being consistent. It doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy every single second of every single thing that you do. But if it's something that's actually meaningful to you and you see value in it, then you're going to continue to do it. Right. So there's certain things that you have to do in life that you don't necessarily love, but you still do them. There are certain habits or maybe there are certain things that you do on a regular basis where you're like, man, I don't love doing this, but you see the value in it. You know, it's important and you do it. And for some people, that's fitness. Some people, that's health. Some people, that's, you know, eating in a certain way that maybe they don't absolutely love it, but they see the value in it. So they will continue to do it. So just make sure that, you know, the things that you are chasing your actions, your goals are actually aligned with things that you value and you see meaningful. Those three things, if you understand those, energy balance, progressive overload, and then the power of consistency, those three principles, again, you can you know work towards any goal that you have and you'll be much more likely to be successful within that goal and you won't struggle quite as much and have as much frustration around you know choosing the wrong methods or the wrong plan of approach. So that is all I have for this episode. Hopefully you're uh, still sticking around and we're able to learn a thing or two here and then pick up a couple quick tips. Um, again, appreciate everybody tuning in, listening to these. If you have any feedback, appreciate that. Uh, people that have left ratings, appreciate that and shared on socials. Also really appreciate that. And again, if you have any topics, any questions about this episode or other episodes or future episodes, let me know. But until next time.